I wonder if this, this afternoon we could just look at uh, at least the same um, number 318. We all know this one very well. And certainly a prayer we need to pray in the day in which we're living. 318, O Lamb of God, still keep us close to thy pierced side. It's only there in safety and peace we can abide. 318. O Lamb of God, still keep us close to thy pierced side. Tis only there in Oh, Lamb of God, 
about the day in which we're living and our walk day by day before thee. And Lord, we just pray that what is said this afternoon might be for the blessing of each one, particularly the speaker. Lord, we need these things. And uh, Lord, we need thy help, for thou knowest that we are weak. But we thank thee that we find our strength in thee. And so we would just pray that as we Open thy word for a few moments that thou would bless what is said to both the speaker and the hearers. And we ask it now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I wonder if we could just begin by taking a look at a verse in Hebrews 13. Just one verse there. Uh, Hebrews 13. And um, verse um, 7. Remembering them which have, and I think it should read, have the guide over you, uh, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. You know, there are many... Um, individuals in the scriptures that I'm sure we have enjoyed meditating about. We think of Abraham and uh, Jacob and um, Moses and uh, uh, David and many others. And uh, if we study their their uh, uh, their stories, there are many lessons that each one of us can learn. And uh, I was thinking today of speaking a little bit about um, Nehemiah. I'm going to take this story up a little bit differently than perhaps you've ever heard it. But I have enjoyed this over the last few months. Um, the story of Nehemiah. You know, this is he's one of the great uh, individuals, you might say, of the Old Testament. And certainly there's much that we can learn from his life. And uh, I would just like to take a very quick look over the whole book, you might say, and um, try and uh, bring out some of the uh, things that we can learn from him. It's interesting that many of these individuals that we read about in the scripture lived in a very dark day. A day of four, uh, of, uh, what can I say, uh, weakness and darkness. And we have to admit that we're living in such a day today. I know it's a beautiful day out there and it's sunny, but you know, morally, things are weak and dark. But how wonderful that in such situations, God often raises up somebody as a wonderful example. And uh, I was thinking of that verse, you know, that we have in Proverbs that says, the path of the just 
is a shining light that uh, that that shines more and more under the perfect day. And so the darker the day, the brighter the light of an individual that shines for the Lord until we are all caught up to the glory. Well, I was thinking, we don't have time to go into a long biography about Nehemiah. Actually, there's not much we can say about him. I think he was probably born in captivity in the uh, city of Babylon. And uh, he felt very much the weakness and the uh, failure of the nation of Israel and his part in it. And uh, I would just like to uh, look at him now with just five words. You know, uh, in Scripture, five speaks of human weakness. I don't know if you've ever noticed before, but you have five fingers in one hand, five on the other, five toes, five toes, five senses. Um, All speaking in Scripture of human weakness. So I would like to speak about five things in connection with Nehemiah. Um, And the first one is prayer. Nehemiah was a man of prayer. And you know, there's nothing that we need more in the day in which we are living than prayer. Because it expresses our dependence on the Lord. And you know, without him, we can do nothing. I like that little verse that says, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. We need him. We need to make prayer our habit from day to day. Uh, And so I'm just going to look at a few things. What's interesting, as you go through this book, you find that Nehemiah was a man of prayer. Let's just take a look for a moment. Um, We'll look first of all at chapter 4. And um, notice uh, the fourth verse. Hear, O my God, for we are despised. Verse 9. Nevertheless, we made our prayer unto the Lord, unto our God. Um, Going on to chapter 19, uh, chapter 5, sorry, the last verse. Think upon me, my God, for good. Chapter 6, verse 9. The end of the verse. Now, therefore, O God, strengthen my hands. Fourteenth verse. My God, think thou upon Tobiah and Sembalat, according to these their works, and on the prophet, prophetess Noadiah, and so on. Over and over again, what is Nehemiah doing? He's praying. I'm just going to make a comment. Sometimes, you know, it's nice when you're Uh, listening to somebody. It's good to have a pencil with you. And um, I said I was going to mention five points. Sometimes it's nice just to mark in, you know, all the things about prayer and perhaps the other things that we are considering. Because I don't know if you're like me, but I have a very uh, brief memory. I forget things very quickly. I need to underline. So it's nice to see here all the times that uh, Nehemiah prays. Now I'd like to go back to the first chapter again, and uh, we'll just read a few verses, starting at verse, um, well, we'll read from verse 1 for a little bit. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah, and it came to pass in the month Chislu, in the 20th year, as I was in Shushan the palace, that Hanini, uh, one of my brethren, came, he and certain men of Judah, 
And I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped, uh, which uh, were left of the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said unto me, The remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. And it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. And I said, Oh, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great terrible God, that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. Let thine ear now be attentive and thine eyes open that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant, which I pray before thee day and night for the children of Israel, thy servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against thee, and I and my father's house have sinned. We could read on uh, more, but we'll just read that amount. So here's Nehemiah. He's living in Babylon, and his brother comes, Hanani, and he asks Hanani, how are things doing in Jerusalem? You know, just before this, I guess maybe about 90 years before, uh, Ezra had gone back to uh, uh, to Jerusalem, and they had rebuilt the temple. And uh, Nehemiah wants to know how things are going. And you'll see here how what Hanani has to say. Things are in a sad state of affairs. There's great affliction and reproach. And this was a real burden to, um, to Nehemiah. You know, I think he thought of Jerusalem as the place where the Lord had placed his name. You know, I think of that verse that says um, in uh, in Psalms, I think I can quote it. Uh, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God, in the mount of his holiness. Uh, beautiful for situation, the joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion on the side of the north, the city of the great king. That's the way he thought of Jerusalem, but look at what happened to it. And he had a real burden about it. And you know, I think this, today we have to recognize that the the uh, the testimony is in a very similar state. Things are broken. They're not what they used to be. You know, we can look back and think of the wonderful things that we've enjoyed in the past, and yet we have to say how things have become so broken. But you know, the Lord is the same, isn't it? Yesterday, today, and forever, He's the same. And we have the same God to help us today as we have had many years ago. Well, Nehemiah here, Notice how he responds in the fourth verse. I've got to watch the time here. It says, I sat down, wept, and mourned, and fasted and prayed. Notice five things he did. What did he do? He sat down in the presence of the Lord. He thought about the situation that was there in Jerusalem. He wept. He really felt it in his heart, uh, the way things had gone. He mourned. You know, you think of that verse that says, Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted of God. And you know something? Nehemiah means comforted of God. And uh, and so it says here, he mourned, and then he fasted. It had an effect on his life from day to day. And then it says he prayed. And so we find here that Nehemiah was much before the Lord about this whole thing. And he began to pray and asked the Lord what he should do. And he began to formulate in his mind what the Lord might have him to do. 
And so he says there in that sixth verse, Hear the prayer of thy servant, which I pray before thee now, night and day. Notice this wasn't just something that he did once and forgot about it. Every day, every night, he prayed and he was concerned. Are we that way? That's what we need to do. We need to, to pray and we need to be before the Lord about these things that are so concerning. And uh, that was the case here with, with him. Well, when we go on, I'm going to come back and say a few more about this chapter. But if you go on to the next chapter, you find prayer again. Nehemiah, he had a very responsible job. He was cupbearer. You know, being a cupbearer back in those days was a very serious uh, responsibility because someone was always trying to poison the king to get rid of him. And so it was very important to have somebody that you could trust that would give you your cup of wine. And usually that cupbearer, he would always take a sip first and then he would give it to the king. Uh, so the king knew it wasn't poisonous. Well, Nehemiah, he had this responsible job. And there he was before the king. And the king looked at him and he said, Oh, I might have meant to say something else about the cupbearer. The cupbearer was to always look happy and um, full of confidence. But this particular day, when Nehemiah came before the king, he felt terrible when he thought of Jerusalem. And he was cast down. And the king said, Nehemiah, what's wrong? What's wrong? And um, Nehemiah was frightened because if the king doesn't like the way you look, he could just have you executed. But you know, Nehemiah told him the truth. He said, how can I be happy when I see the condition of Jerusalem? Uh, I'm skipping though what I really wanted to say. When he, the king first said to him, what's wrong, Nehemiah? What does it say? Notice the verse, uh, verse uh, 4. Then the king said unto me, For what dost thou make request? And it says, So I prayed to the God of heaven. Was that a long, fancy prayer? No, it was probably a prayer that lasted a couple of seconds. And you know, sometimes I think we think of prayers as something that has to go on for a very long time. But if you notice here in the book of Nehemiah, many of the prayers that Nehemiah prays were very brief. Look at uh, chapter 4 again, verse 4. Hear, O our God, for we are despised. Verse 9, we made our prayer to the God of heaven. They're all brief prayers. And we need to do this. We need to get in the habit of praying in every situation like Nehemiah did. Uh, we think of Peter. And you know, he said, Lord, save me. He didn't have time to figure out a big long prayer. He was sinking in the water. And all he could say is, Lord, save me. And um, I, I remember uh, some years ago, I was traveling from Cuyahoga Falls, Ohio, where my wife lives, to Ottawa. It was the winter time. And you've probably seen those signs on bridges sometimes. A bridge freezes before pavement or something of that nature. I usually don't pay any attention to them. But anyway, we were going along about 70 miles an hour, and I was sleeping in the back seat. It was my car that, that was being driven. And the driver was uh, Barbara's cousin, Harold Smith. And all of a sudden, I woke up, and all I could hear is, Lord, save me, Lord, help me, Lord, help me, Lord, help me. 
and the car was going this way, then it was going the other way, and it spun right around. This is when we're doing about 70 miles an hour. And finally, it slid right into the median and came to a dead stop. And uh, we were just shaking. I shook for a half an hour afterwards. But you know, I always felt the Lord answered that quick prayer. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. And there wasn't a scratch on the car. We got out of the car, and there were about three other cars that did the very same thing we did. They smashed into the other cars and everything else. But the Lord preserved us. So we need to get in the habit of praying in every little situation. And that's the way Nehemiah was. He was a man of prayer. Secondly, he was a man of the word. Study is the second word I want to use. Study. He studied the scriptures. You know, we're living in an age where we can spend a lot of time frivolously uh, and I have to admit, it's very easy for the speaker to do it, too. Because you take out your tablet or your computer, and it's very easy to spend time on various things, isn't it? You know this. But, you know, we need to spend time studying the Word of God. And that's exactly what Nehemiah did. Notice in the first chapter again, it says there in the um, uh, sixth verse, he says... Uh, no, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. A little bit further along. Verse 8. Remember, I beseech thee, he's praying here, uh, the word that thou commandest thy servant Moses, saying, If ye transgress, I will scatter you abroad among the nations. So he's reminding the Lord of what Moses said. In other words, Nehemiah had studied the Pentateuch. Because uh, he's quoting here uh, from the book of Deuteronomy. You can look at Deuteronomy chapter 4. He won't take time, but he's quoting from it. And then in the ninth verse, If ye turn unto me, and keep my commandments, and do them, uh, though they were of uh, you cast out into the uttermost part of the heaven, yet will I gather thee from thence. There's a, a quotation, I believe, from Deuteronomy 30. And um, then in verse 11, O Lord, I beseech thee, let now thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant, and to the prayer of thy servants, who desire to fear thy name, and uh, prosper. That's not the verse I was thinking of, but, um, oh, verse 7, sorry. We have dealt very corruptly against thee, and have not kept the commandments, nor the statutes, nor the judgments, which thou commandest thy servant Moses. So he was a studier of the word. And I'm just going to say this to all of us, and to the speaker included, we need to spend time in the Word. And uh, if you read through and underline every time there's a reference to the Scriptures um, that Nehemiah quotes, it's very interesting to see how much he valued the Scriptures. Until we come to the 8th chapter, and you all know the 8th chapter, I'm sure, very well. You've heard it spoken on. You know, there's an expression all through this chapter that I think is a real exercise to all of us. Look at the first verse. It says, And all the people gathered themselves together as one man into the street that was before the water gate. And they spake unto Ezra the scribe, 
to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded to Israel. Now notice that expression, all the people. Look how often it's mentioned. Um, in the first verse, look at the third verse, the latter part. The ears of all the people were attentive unto the book of the law. Verse 5, Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people. For he was above all the people. And so on. I'm not going to read them all. But over and over again it says all the people. You know, sometimes I think we think that studying the scriptures is something that, um, oh, David Burns can do. Or, you know, uh, um, Robert Boulard can do. It's up to them. But, you know, it says here all the people. In other words, I believe the scriptures is telling us that we should all take seriously the studying of the word. I hope you don't mind a personal reference, but when I was growing up, uh, I sometimes bored my mother's Bible. And uh, I would look at it, and I would notice at the end of every, every chapter there was a check mark, and maybe sometimes four check marks, and sometimes five check marks. And I said to her one day, I said, why do you have all those check marks after the, 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 the chapters? Well, she said, every time I read the chapter, I put a check mark beside it. And I valued the fact that my mother spent time reading the Word. And she also read written ministry. You know, she could say to, to me, I suppose, I never am going to minister to anybody. But she took the time to read written ministry. She valued studying the scriptures. It was a tremendous um, example to me. And so we find here that all the people came together to hear the word of God read. And Nehemiah is mentioned, I know Ezra comes up quite often, but if you look in the ninth verse, it says Nehemiah, which is the Tershatha, or the governor, and Ezra, the priest, uh, the scribe, and the Levites, that taught the people. So he was involved in this too. And they, they read the law. And notice uh, the, the uh, third verse. It says um, there, he read therein before the street that was before the water gate uh, from the morning until the midday. Notice, there they were, all the people standing there from morning to the midday. They, the meeting must have gone on for maybe two or three hours. And you know, sometimes, young people, we get together like this, and we say, oh, when's this meeting going to be over? Another half hour. And uh, and we get all upset. Well, this man, he's talking too much, and, uh, you know, uh, we've got to get out of here, and so on. That's often the way we think. But here, these people were willing to stay for two or three hours, listening to the Word of God. They took it seriously. And those who did the reading, notice what they did. Verse 8, it says they read in the book, in the law of God, distinctly, and gave the sense, and caused them to understand. I think that's so important. And that's a word, I think, to those of us who are older. Do we take the time to read the word of God publicly, distinctly, so that even the younger ones can understand you know, sometimes it just goes over their heads. But we I know my wife has been a tremendous help to me in this regard. She said, you've got to think of your audience. It's not what you know, it's 
think of your audience. And I think that's so important. So they, they, they cause the people to hear the word of God distinctly and give the sense and cause them to understand. Well, then it says in the 10th verse, I don't want to take too much time or time is running away. Then he said unto me, unto them, go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. In other words, enjoy the word of God. Listen to it. Take out of it what you can that's sweet. Take out of it what is um, going to build you up. And give to those who have nothing, uh, that, to whom nothing is prepared. I'm going to tell you another story. I know that um, there was a lady in Ottawa. I could give you her name, but I won't. And every time there was a meeting, she was always writing notes. Not for her own benefit, but so that she could send out these little portions to those who couldn't get out to the meetings. And she did this without telling anybody. And to me, it was so touching that she would take that opportunity to send out portions to those who had nothing. So the study of the word is so important. Pray, study. One other thing about studying, though. We shouldn't be studying just to get an encyclopedic knowledge of the word so that I know more than somebody else. We should do it because the Lord wants us to put into practice what we've, what we've read and studied. That's so important. So the third thing, obedience. O obey. Obey. You know, you can come and you can hear the, the word of God presented, but our brother... Robert here this morning talked about the importance of obedience. And we all know the story of Saul and Samuel and how Samuel told Saul to wait for seven days and wait for Samuel to come and then they would make an offering to the Lord. And after the seven days, Saul didn't wait for Samuel and he went ahead and offered and, and uh, Samuel was... Uh, very angry with Saul because he didn't listen to the word of God. And he said, sacrifice an offering thou wouldst not. I'm sorry, I'm getting mixed up here. Uh, let's read the verse. Um, it's in uh, 1 Samuel 15. I can quote it, but uh, it's going to get confused. Uh, 1 Samuel 15, verse 22. And Samuel said... Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. In other words, what the Lord values is obedience to his word. And you know, this is something that I think we have to take very seriously. Sometimes we don't make the progress in the things of God like we would like to. You know, there's that verse that says, grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I think most of us here want to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Why is it we don't? Don't you think the trouble is sometimes that we don't want to do what the Lord has asked us to do? We are disobedient. I think that's often the problem. You know, a brother one time said, it's not that I don't know what to do, 
It's, I don't want to do it. And don't you think that's the case sometimes? We don't want to do what the Lord wants us to do. The Lord wants us to obey. And that's a word to me as well as anyone. We need to obey. We want to make progress in the things of God. We've got to walk in the good of what we know. Well, obedience is so important. Um, I think I've said enough there. Uh, going on then to the fourth uh, word, and that is work. Work. If you look through this book, you find work is mentioned many, many times. Um, notice uh, chapter 2. Uh, Nehemiah here speaking to the king. Verse 5. I said unto the king, If it please the king, and if thy servant have found favor in thy sight, that thou wouldst send me unto Judah, unto the city of my father's sepulchres, that I may build it. So there he is. He desires to build. And then in uh, the 16th verse. And the rulers knew not whether I went or what I did, neither had I yet told it to the Jews, nor to the priests, nor to the nobles, nor to the rulers, nor to the rest that did the work. Then said I unto them, Ye see the distress we are in, how Jerusalem lies waste, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Come, and let us build the wall of Jerusalem. There's work again, that we may uh, that we be no more a reproach. Verse 18, Then I told them of the hand of my God that was good upon me, as also the king's words that he had spoken unto me, and they said, Let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. Verse 29, middle of the verse, We his servants will arise and build. And if you go through this whole book, You'll see it over and over again. Let us build, let us work, and so on, all the way through. Good to take a colored pencil and mark in every time it's said. So here's another very important thing about Nehemiah. He wasn't afraid of work. You know, I think sometimes, naturally speaking, and I speak to myself, we become lazy Christians, don't you think? It's easy to come to a meeting like this, or maybe in our local meeting, I should say, our local meeting, and take a back seat and uh, let somebody else do all the work. Let them do the talking, let them do the praying, let them do the singing, and I'll just sit in the back and maybe fall asleep. You know, that's the way sometimes things go. But Nehemiah was a worker. He wasn't afraid to throw himself into it. And he, and he was one of the leaders. I'll come to that again. But he wasn't willing to get his hands dirty. And so when he was telling other people to get to work, he got to work himself. In fact, I think one of the things that's so nice to see about Nehemiah is that he was a great encourager. He stirred up the people so that they wanted to work as well. And... I think this is very important. You know, sometimes young people, you know, we have big thoughts when we're younger. We thought, oh, I'd like to go and uh, preach the gospel in Angola. Or, you know, I would like to get on the Internet and uh, preach the gospel in a three-minute sermon or something like this. 
But you know, it doesn't start in Guyana or it doesn't start in Angola or wherever. It starts at home. Do you have an exercise in your local assembly to take on responsibility? That's what the Lord wants us to do. Think of things that you can do. It doesn't have to be something big. Um, I remember a man in Ottawa. I won't mention his name. But um, he always made it his responsibility to get to the meeting room about a half an hour ahead of time. Before there was anybody there. And sometimes I used to think, why are you coming so early? But you know, one time he came a half an hour earlier and the furnace wasn't working. And the place was freezing cold. And he had to get it fixed. This same person would give out the hymn books at the gospel meetings. This same person would fix the chairs. These are little things that we can do. The Lord has given us all something that we can do. And as time goes on, he might increase that responsibility. So I think it's interesting to see here, as you read, how they all work together. Sometimes there was a problem. Look at the third, third chapter and the fifth verse. It says, next unto them, they're building a wall here. Next unto them, the techoids repaired, but their nobles put not their necks to the work of their Lord. So here are the men who were really supposed to be the leaders, but they weren't putting their necks to the work. They weren't doing what they should have been doing. Does that mean that the work of the Lord was hindered? Well, it was hindered, but it didn't stop. Because look, if you look on further in that chapter, to the 27th verse, it says, After them, the Tekoites, this is the very same group we were talking about before, um, the Tekoites repaired another piece. It doesn't talk about the nobles here in the 27th verse, it just says the Tekoites. So even though their leaders didn't do very much, the Tekoites carried on the work. And you know, if you don't want to do it, the Lord can always find somebody else to do the work. But you know, I think we need to be exercised uh, about what the Lord would have us to do. Uh, and we don't all, we aren't, and I might say this is also true of sisters. You might think if you're a sister, then there's nothing that you can do. But read about Aquila and Priscilla. Read about Phoebe in, in Romans 16. And you'll find that they had a work to do for the Lord. So I believe the Lord would have us to pray. He wants us to study. He wants us to um, work. And he wants us to obey the scriptures. Now, there's just one other thing that I wanted to mention. Um, Nehemiah was also a leader. He was a leader. And... It's not that we have to decide to be a leader when we're young. But if we're faithful in praying, in studying the word, in obeying, and in carrying on the work, little by little, the Lord might give us more responsibility. And I believe that was true with Nehemiah. There's no question that this man was a faithful man. And the king recognized it in Babylon. So what did he do? gave him the responsibility of being cupbearer. And once he got the responsibility of cupbearer, um, and he came to the king and told him what was on his mind about going back to Jerusalem to rebuild the walls, what did the king do? He not only gave him an escort, 
but he actually made him the governor. I think we read that, didn't we? That he was the governor in chapter 8. It says he was the Tershat. Uh, that's uh, chapter 8 and verse uh, 9. Nehemiah, um, uh, where was that? It's, uh, yes, uh, verse 9 of chapter 8. Nehemiah, which is the Tershat. So he was appointed governor. He was given a very responsible job. And so I think Nehemiah was naturally a leader. He probably didn't realize that at the first, but he had a vision of what the Lord wanted him to do. He went to the king and told the king when the opportunity arose um, what he wanted to do. He went to Jerusalem, and it's very interesting there. Uh, I didn't read it, but if you look in the second chapter in verse 12, it says, I arose in the night, I and a few men with me, neither told I any man what my God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem, that means building the walls, neither was there uh, any beast with me, save the beast that I rode upon. And I went out by night by the gate of the valley, even before the dragon well, unto the dung port, and viewed the walls of Jerusalem, which were broken down, and the gates thereof were consumed with fire. Then I went on to the gate of the fountain and to the king's pool, but there was no place for the beast that I was under, I'm sorry, that was underneath to pass. In other words, he just saw the terrible situation of things there in the city. And he formulated a plan of what he was going to do. Why did he do it at night? I think he did it at night because he knew there were enemies there, Sanballat, Tobiah, Hisham, and these others. They wanted to stop the work at every turn. So he went out at night when no one could see him. And he made his plan. What did he do? What did he do next? He got the people together and he explained what he wanted to do. Notice uh, verse um, 17 again. Then said I unto them, Ye see the distress that we are in. How Jerusalem lieth waste, and the gates thereof are burnt with fire. Come and let us build up the wall of Jerusalem. So he encourages them. Let's get going. Let's do this. And he was being a leader, wasn't he? And um, if you go on, uh, what was the result? The end of verse 18. They strengthened their hands for this good work. I like one other thing on that 18th verse. It says, the hand of my God, which was good upon me. Over and over again, he says that. You know, I think there's a good lesson there. It says, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. In other words, if, we, if the Lord isn't the one that is looked to and whatever we're doing, it's going to come to nothing. But Nehemiah always gave the Lord the credit. And there was blessing. And the work was done. And you'll notice, we didn't really show it, but I think in the sixth chapter... It tells us that the work was done in 52 days, uh, verse 15. So the wall was finished in the 25th day of the month, Elul, in 52 days. Can you imagine the wall around the city? These are big, huge stones. And they were built up. I don't know how high the wall was, probably the height of this ceiling at least. And it went right around the entire city. They rebuilt it in 52 days. So the Lord really prospered them. 
And so how wonderful it was that, that Nehemiah was a leader. So there are those five things that I think we need to consider. Prayer, study, obey, work, and then maybe come to the point where we lead. Very important. Well, I just leave that with you. It's just a few things I've enjoyed. And I certainly have not gone into um, a lot of the things in this book. But I just leave it for your meditation. Maybe we could just uh, sing a couple of lines of the hymn. Uh, 243. O oh Lord, we would delight in Thee, and on Thy care depend. Thee in every trouble flee, our safe, unfailing friend. Just the first uh, two and the last verse of 243. O oh Lord, we would delight in Thee, and on Thy care depend. situations, and we pray, Lord, that we might use Nehemiah as an example, and uh, that we might, uh, Lord Jesus, seek to glorify thee in the place that thou hast put us. And so we just ask thee for thy help and thy blessing uh, upon these words, and we ask in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I should have mentioned about obedience. I'm always one to forget things, but if you look at the last chapter of Nehemiah, you would find there that um, the people were refusing to tithe like they were asked to do under the law. They were involved in mixed marriages uh, with the Ammonites and the Moabites, and uh, they weren't keeping the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And uh, Nehemiah dealt with each one of those problems. Uh, by referring them to the Word of God, 
and urging them to act in obedience. I just forgot to mention that, but it's something to consider that last chapter. 